Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host tonight, Paul Arnold, playing Traffic Cop. We got three highly educated, uh, well, semi-educated, very yeah, humorous, semi-humorous. Who came in? Who came in? Are we being replaced? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Well, it's always these, you know, introductions. I think I'm on the right track, and then I have to revise it for, you know, the FCC might come in and and take away our license. Anyways, this is part of the confusion where we talk about sports and all sorts of manner of things, and you'll just have to pardon our confusion because we ripped that off totally from some ESPN program, but our lawyers are still working on it. So we have Ernest Watts down in Rockingham, North Carolina. We have Nate Moyer in Trumbull, Connecticut, and our bonus guest tonight is Brian Galliato from Trumbull, Connecticut as well. So, Brian, you're a first-timer on this podcast. Welcome aboard. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> What's your weight? So I got the ding here. What's the ding? Ding. You don't want to give that out over the air, huh? Uh, no, 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 not at all. All right. If you don't Hi, he's still holding some holiday weight. <laughs> Paul, yeah, height too, not just the weight, it's the height also, remember? Okay, Ernest, go give us your, your height and weight then. Oh, I'm 6'3", 235. Ding! And I am 5'10", 214. Dong. So no pressure on Nate and Brian, they're young guys, they're still Trumbull dads. We're old and we don't care anymore. So let's get to the world of sports. There's a lot going on, and once in a while things happen in sports that sort of we take a deep breath and go, wait a second, you mean there's something more important than sports? Uh, Ernest can probably run with this for a while. Ernest is old enough, and I am as well, to remember the uh, players, Reggie Lewis and Hank Gathers, who had tragic events playing basketball. Ernest, what happened just yesterday with a basketball player for the Nets? Uh, Lamar uh, Lamar Aldridge uh, plays for the Nets. She's a longtime all-star with the trailblazers and the spurs uh he had a electrical problem in his heart it was diagnosed with portland but he had to retire and here's the phrase they say had to retire i'm going to give you the dirty little secret he was forced to retire because most likely this works are you saying he's lying i'm saying the insurance company went to the nets and said we cannot cover him and we cannot pay his salary if he had is injured or dies on the court, or for some reason he retires early and you have to pay the rest of the contract, we can't pay the insurance. So this was not as much as, you know, the Nets will go along with it, and they'll say it was, you know, a great decision, A, bad publicity if a player dies on the court. But, no, he was forced to retire. It's insurance coverage. That's that's what did this. And, yeah, I remember Hank Gathers stumbling and falling and dying that day. Playing for Loyola Marymount, that was 84. Reggie Lewis collapsed in a playoff game against the Hornets. Uh, he recovered, and then in a pickup game, that was 88. In a pickup game that summer, he died on the court. So the, you know, it's, it's, it's a, again, it's a tragic situation. We, we've had this happen before. Alonzo Mourning you know, had to retire. It wasn't a heart issue. That was a kidney deal. But it, it's usually yeah, it's that. the insurance. It's usually the insurance company that comes back and tells the the, the team we can't cover him. But you so, don't think he could just go to a different team then? No, that would no, find them. No, there'll be no insurance company that will cover his salary. You got to remember these guys are getting paid twenty to fifteen million dollars a year. Uh, an ex All Star like he is, a borderline Hall of Famer. So no, I mean you know a team's not going to take that financial risk. 
teams look in dollars. I hate to say it. I mean, they'll come out and say it's best for his health. We hope everything turns out all right. But the bottom line, this is a financial decision. Oh, come on, Ernest. He said, you know, it's time to put his family first. You're saying, oh, that's bull? Do you want the Nets to come out and say, listen, we can't have him on the court because the insurance company says they're not going to cover him if he plays. I guess that would look bad PR standpoint. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. So. This looks good. This looks like he loves his family, that he wants to retire and enjoy his life. It's a win-win situation. The Nets don't look like a cold, heartless organization. The insurance company doesn't like insurance companies usually look. And it all looks good. It's a rosy type of thing. Now, it hurts the Nets' chances of winning the NBA title because now they've got uh, Jordan there, who's way past his age at center. They really have no center now, but no, this is a PR. I hate to be cold-hearted, but that's what's happened. Mm. All right, Brian, let's see you jump in this. You're from the East Coast. You guys live in Connecticut. Is everybody drinking the Nets Kool-Aid? Do they think they have a a legitimate shot? I don't know. I think think everybody thinks that the Nets are the team to beat in the East. I mean – on paper, who's going to stop them? You have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin, uh, Durant. Durant. <laughs> yeah, forget <laughs> about him. He decides him, huh? to keep playing. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it, you could have the, this kind of super team on paper, but, you know, a playoff, playoffs are playoffs. So that's a series. You know, I, I think the reality is they'll come out of the East. I really don't think there's a team that's going to beat him in a playoff series. Uh, and now with LeBron and Anthony Davis kind of hurt and kind of question out West, I think, yeah, I think, I think Brooklyn is looking at the Nets is going to win a championship this year. I mean, why not? They, their, their team is stacked uh, with or without Aldridge. You know, they've got the players. And right now, the landscape of the NBA, uh, I'd be hard-pressed to find a team that's going to beat them. Mm. I know one team that can beat him. Uh, who's that? A little 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 town called Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Phoenix uh, uh. Suns. Everything goes back to Phoenix if Nate's on the podcast. <laughs> it's wishful thinking, Nate. Wishful it's very Nate, wishful thinking. This is... Year away, year away. Next year, they will be a legitimate contender. But you know what, really, guys, what really worries me is the way, and you see it with all these injuries to all the players. Every star player has pretty much been out is the way they compacted the season. And there's two reasons why they did it. Uh, a, you know, well, when COVID, they had a late start, but they had to have at least 53 games or else they had to pay a rebate, a rebate back to all the regional sports networks. And they had to finish the middle of July to get the NBA players to play in the Olympic Games, which is huge free publicity for the NBA and, and the players and their brand and their shoes and all their products. But this idea of playing four games in five nights, that's why Davis is out. That's, you know, that's why LeBron's out. That's why Durant's out. Irving's out. Harden's out. All your stars, look at all the, you know, you could get an all-star team just from the IR team. And I think it's, it's making substandard regular season basketball. And if it can, continues in the playoffs, yeah, the Suns could slip in. The Jazz could slip in. I mean, there's, you know, I think that Harden – and Irving and and uh, Durant have only played seven games together mm. since that yeah. trade. But is that because of injury? I mean, every time you look at the report, it just says rest. 
Like these guys, I, I understand what you're saying. Load you know, management. The, the condensed schedule has to do with can get these players injured. and But, you know, okay, LeBron, what was it, an ankle injury? Yeah. Um, Anthony Davis was, uh, was it a calf a, injury? It's, it's, a, it's Achilles tendon. Achilles tendon, okay. That worries me. Well, yes, I think, like, I think his like injury is a little bit yeah. more severe. No question. But that those those are injuries that could happen anytime. I don't think that happens because of a condensed schedule. But you've got star players just resting. I mean, that's a that's a theme in the NBA that's been around for a long time. You well, know, star players that just don't play every single game. You know who we blame for that? That's Kawhi Leonard. He has really taken that to the utmost, is this load management thing. And and I understand that with the number of games out. But you still have a lot. Opa Depot has not. He's only played one game for the Heat since he's been traded. Uh, Westbrook was out for a while. With, with I mean, you can go. Almost every team has been impacted in some level, except for the Suns. <laughs> yeah. By the playoffs, look at the Nuggets. Nuggets were a contender. They lose Jamil Murray for probably halfway to next season. Yeah, he's done. Yeah, I mean that's the Nuggets are done. And there's no way they're going to contend without him in there. And that brings only three legitimate – there's only three legitimate contenders to me in the West, and that's the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Suns. And I just think the Suns need another year. You don't, think, you don't think of Jazz? Oh, Jazz, no, definitely. No, Jazz is a regular season team. They're, they're a regular season team. They're like the Celtics in that respect. They're built to win games in the regular season. You know, Brad Stevens is a great regular season coach, but a lousy playoff coach for the Celtics and the jazz are the same way. Quinn Snyder, he's built a team. I mean, what happens in the playoffs is they isolate Gobert. You know, look how Denver beat him last year. Nokic just took him out. Jokic just took him outside shot threes and Jobert wasn't quick enough to get back and guard. And Murray just drove to the basket every time. They're just not a team. They can't guard on the perimeter. And if you can't do that in the playoffs, you're not going to be successful. All right, if you gave me the Jazz and the Suns right now in the playoffs, not not to suck up to Nate, I would take the Suns. Well, nice. Nate, give us like a quick hear. summary of the Suns because I am not up to date on their starting lineup. Tell me why the well, Suns, the Suns are, are like they're like I think a game and a half back of the West, um, a game and a half back really of the NBA lead because right now the Jazz are the NBA lead. So like right now the Suns are in second place in the Western Conference, but if they were in the East, they'd be first. Um, you know, they, they've got Chris Paul, which is obviously the big veteran addition. We've got DeAndre Ayton. We've got Booker. Um, we've got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Johnson. So we, we've got, those are the kind of the core three guys. Uh, but we're, we're, the Suns are playing more like just like a team, which is kind of nice. I mean, they, they've got Booker and, and Paul as the star guys, but, you know, they're, they're playing well. Our coach is great. Um, so it's, it's just been fun. Cause I, you know, I kind of, when they started out the season hot, I thought, um, you know, like, Oh, you know, good, good start for them. You know, they're a young team. They're, they're going to have some dips and they've kind of just been sustaining that level. I mean, they, they've had a couple down games here and there of games they should have won. Um, but you know, they, they played some clutch games. I mean, they played beating the Lakers. They've beaten the jazz recently. I think it was like a week ago they beat the jazz. Um, so they're, they're looking good. I mean, as a Suns fan, I'm pretty excited because I think it's been 2010 since we were in the playoffs, and that was with the Steve Nash era. And uh, Steve, yeah, who? so we had a little op- Steve Nash. <laughs> let me let me add. How soon we forget? Let, let me add that something. Nate. I think uh, Jay Crowder really added a lot to that team. He was mm-hmm. the first guy off the bench 
for the Heat last year when they got to the finals. But they've got a solid bench. Him, Javon Carter, Sarkic, uh, Cameron Payne. I mean, they got good role players. Torrey Craig, who was played real well, has bounced around the lead. They've got solid guys coming off the bench. And, and that really and, – and you can't – Michael Mikhail Bridges, uh, who's in his third year from Villanova, has yep. really matured. I mean, it's just a solid team. They go 10 deep easily. Yeah. So, I mean, it's – Playoff experience is the only thing they're missing. And, and you got to have right. that. First year, you've got to get that playoff experience because it's a different – it's almost like playing with a different basketball. It's completely different than the regular season. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, it's I, – I don't expect them to make the Western Conference Finals. I don't expect them to make the Finals, right? If they do, you know, hooray for them. I'm going to be stoked. But, you know, I think if they can win a series or two, that would give them plenty of experience like you're saying. And then hopefully next year, as long as Chris Paul can, you know, stay healthy um, – Booker stays house, you know, I mean, a lot of it's, you know, the guys staying healthy, but we've got a lot of youth that that would be, you know, that would be huge for next year. But I think this year, if LeBron's out, Anthony Davis is out, you know, they, they've almost got to, you know, push the, push the pedal to the metal now and try to take advantage of that, especially mm-hmm. if the Lakers are going to be weak come playoff time. Well, Nate, uh, I can tell you, just gonna get stronger. I can tell you what's going to be out instead of who the new space jam is going to be out this summer. Are you guys going to see this within the first week, Brian? No. <laughs> All right, Nate? No. Ernest. Well, it's free. It's free. I'll see it. It's on HBO Max. What I like about it is it's not so much like Space Jam, the first one. It's more like Ready Player One because you've got all these background characters like Batman and uh, the, the Iron Giant and all these things—not the wrestling Iron Giant, uh, the movie. I mean, you got all these Warner Brother characters in the background. So, uh, yeah, it's free. I'll watch it. Same reason I'll watch Mortal Kombat next week. I ain't paying for it, so I'll watch it. It's free. <laughs> all right. Since Brian was so quick to say no, Brian, were you a fan of the original Space Jam? Yeah, big time fan. I had I, my kids actually watched it for the first time last week. And they're not usually into sports movies, uh, and they loved it. They thought it was fantastic. Uh, they watched that in the Sandlot, and Ooh, those were two classic movies. That's a good combo, uh, Brian. You just went up Sand- in my estimations. That was a good move. <laughs> <laughs> so they they enjoyed that, those two movies thoroughly, and, and actually really surprised me uh, that they liked it so much. Uh, and then we saw that. Then we watched the trailer together with them for the new one, and collectively they were like, "No thanks." Wow. That's not like the first one. It's not like that. And I don't know. I just don't think LeBron uh, is that type of charismatic or I don't know if that's the right word for it, but he just doesn't bring the same to the table as Michael Jordan. I mean, Michael Jordan came in because, you know, to save the day because he was the best of all. I don't think LeBron kind of is that same character. Mm-hmm. I think the collaborators helped. Didn't it also, don't you think that made a difference for your children? That you, It wasn't just Michael Jordan. You had Larry Johnson. You had, uh, you had Muggsy Bogues and Sean Bradley. and Bill Murray, Bradley. Larry Johnson. Bill Murray kind of brought everything together. <laughs> yeah. Did, did your kids know who Larry Bird was? No, they had no idea who they were. They barely <laughs> knew who Michael Jordan was. Yeah. Yeah. So Nate, um, I imagine you are a Space Jam fan first. Actually, Space Jam was my son's first uh, playlist uh, when he was growing up, and he used to love to play that all the time. I think back then on a little portable CD player. But, Nate, what's your memories of the original Space Jam? 
I remember thinking, what was it? Um, I thought I liked Space Jam. I, I really liked it. Um, I remember Bill Murray in it, like basically an everyday guy can play in it, um, play in a basketball league, right? They're playing the aliens. Um, there was the funny thing about, I guess I never knew this, that Michael Jordan always, always used to wear his North Carolina shorts under his game shorts, which was kind of cool. So that was like his lucky underpants. And the one of the uh, cartoon guys is making fun of him, and he goes, I washed them. um those are some of my memories but no i I liked it i I just i'm not excited to see the new one i mean you know maybe maybe it'll be really good and i just i'm just not excited to see it but we'll we'll see what people say out there but yeah i mean i wasn't that excited when i saw the promo i was like wow i just i have no interest in seeing this right now so hopefully hopefully it'll be decent but it's never going to stack up to the first one but I, i think they just tried to make too much out of it. I think we're seeing that a lot with our movies where they try to remake something way too many years later. And it's just, they try too hard. It just, it kind of almost ruins the first one for you. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got a trivia question, but now, now Brian knows this cause he just watched the movie, but do you remember who voiced the villain in the movie? Danny DeVito. Ding, 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 ding. That's no right. calls. We have a winner. I tell you, I listened to, I watched it over and over and over again. And uh, I watched the trailer for the new one too, and I was like, "It's too confusing." I, I, it was just too much, and I thought whoever gets paid to cut that trailer totally messed up because that did not make me really excited as well as all of you guys agreed to. What has me excited though is this great transition now is the NFL draft coming up at the end of the month and watching all these idiots on TV saying, this is how it's going to play out, and this is what this team's going to do. And then the team's just tantalizing, putting out, well, maybe we're interested in this person or that. So let's talk about your guys' favorite teams. Each one of you have a different favorite team, and who do you want your favorite team or what position you want your favorite team to pick. And we're going to start with Ernest and the Carolina Panthers. Boy, you know... The way they're undervaluing him, and I consider it to be a steal, even though we just got a quarterback, uh, I like Josh Fields. I like Fields from Ohio Justin? State. Ugh. Justin Fields, yeah. I think he has the potential to be a superstar. I really do. Now, if we couldn't, you know, if we went another route, I'd go Kyle Pitts, the tight end from uh, Florida, because we need a tight end. But I just think Fields, you know, every year – Somebody drops. If you're old enough to remember, you know, Brady and Marino. Rogers. Rogers. There's always that guy who drops to the bottom of the or Jackson for that matter. Remember, he was the 30th pick for, for the Ravens. And I just think Fields is going to drop, and I think people are going to regret it. I just think he has the size, the arm, the talent. So you don't and believe don't... Belichick's trying to get him? Oh, I think he is. I think Mac Jones is seriously overrated. I don't understand that. Trey Lawrence worries me. I say Trey Lance, excuse me, for North Dakota State. He only played one year. So you, and, who, do you, uh, who are the Panthers? Who do you want? Do you want them to get Justin Fields? I'd like Fields, but I'd settle for Kyle Pitts. All right. Nate, how about you for your beloved that's funny. Cardinals? Ernest, because I, I was going to say I was hoping the Cardinals might move up to get Pitts because that's one of the things we've been lacking for years and years and years is a good tight end on the Cardinals. And I think the Cardinals went all in, trying to go all in this year. Um, they give Kyler Murray another weapon. So I would love Pitts if we stick to our current spot. You know, obviously, you know, we lost Patrick Peterson, so maybe a good um, lockdown corner. Would be good. I think they got out of Alabama. Uh, but to kind of go off Ernest, I, 
I don't trust basically at this point, I don't trust an Alabama quarterback or an Ohio state quarterback. Those guys always look good in their last year, senior year. They look good at the combine and they just fizzle when the season starts. They have a lot of, Oh, they're going to be great. I mean, when was the last time? Can you name me like a really good Ohio state quarterback we've seen in the last 20, 25 years? It doesn't exist in the NFL. <laughs> it's, it's extinct. It doesn't exist. Arch Leister, Arch Leister. No, <laughs> but I mean, even Alabama, I mean, the Alabama quarterbacks, they do well in that system, right? They do well in Nick Saban's system. They've got well, dominant I, weapons, but they just, who's the other one? Who's the only one that's still in the league? Isn't it McAvoy or Mac something? No, no, no McElroy. He's, he's ESPN. He's, he's a commentator. Yeah. So Ray McElroy. It's, who's the it's last? Um, Tua. Tua. Oh, yeah, it's it. the guy who was dating the girl that Brent Musburger went all crazy about. He's not got a job anymore. Oh. He got cut by Buffalo. Yeah, okay. so that's what I'm saying. Like, I think I, I just I'm a little bit hesitant on guys like that because they, I, I don't know, they they don't seem. I, I have no problem with Lawrence. I think he'll be great. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to be as dominant as people think, but I, I think he'll be good in the. I think he'll be good in the league. Um, but yeah, those two fields and. Fields and Jones, I'm just I'm not sold. I wouldn't. I mean, Lance, you're right. Is is tricky. He only has one year under his belt. I think too many people are comparing him to Carson mm-hmm. Wentz, but you know he didn't he didn't really get a full full college he's, career. He's so. more like Cam. If you had to compare Trey Lance to someone, it's Cam Newton because mm-hmm. it's the same size. He runs the ball. Wilson troubles me too. I mean, the Jets are betting everything on him out of BYU, and they really didn't play anybody, and he's. He's maybe six feet rather than six two. I mean, I've I've seen these guys play enough that feels just imp- feels got two years, and that shows me something. A one year, you, you don't really know. And and the receivers did change a year. I think a lot of people hold Haskins against Fields, and that's apples to oranges. It's like it's like Wentz being compared to Lance. Yeah. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. uh, just because the guy went to that school, you don't yeah. compare them. All right, Brian, you're a huge G- Giants fan. Who, what position or what person do you want them to draft? Uh, New York Football Giants. I mean, they 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 need a lot of a lot of help. They have, you know, <laughs> Tell me about uh, it, man. Tell me, I'm a Lions fan. <laughs> you guys need more help, unfortunately. Oh, wait, yeah, but no, sure, oh wow, yeah, we're worse than yeah, you. Oh. Yeah, but the Giants are in a division where they could go eight. That goes seven and ten and still win. We we almost division. won the division last they year. Almost won. Yeah. The Eagles. <laughs> I had to That's correct horrible. myself. I forgot we had 17 games. I almost said seven and nine. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, that Eagles game, uh, you know, things could have been a lot different. But that's a whole other conversation. But the Giants, you know, their they're draft, you know, they have the 11th pick in the first round. Um, a pretty good second-round pick. I think it's 40 or 30-something. But, uh, you know, they have a lot of needs. You know, that they definitely need the offensive line, but I don't think you go for that uh, with, the, with the 11 pick. Um, there's a good linebacker out there, Mika Parsons out of Penn State. Uh, I think that's a, a good solid pick for them. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went for a wide receiver, if one of them should fall. Uh, there's those three top guys, uh, Waddle, Smith, and um, what's his name? Chase, the, out of Chase. Chase. Yeah, yeah, Chase out of LSU. All and, right. Uh, so the, those those three guys there, you know, you, you pick up Galladay. Thanks for that 
no, you can have them, man. I'll tell you why you can have them after you're done. So go ahead. <laughs> uh, so you know he's he's a big body. I think that's going to help them. You know they they don't really have a number two. I think they they should be able to to draft a a good solid wide receiver to com- to complement Galladay. You know if he gets hurt, you know he, he you never know. You know you can't you can't throw all your eggs in one basket there and say that he's going to help our offense. You know that. He on paper, if he's healthy, he's going to help us out a lot. You know, with uh, Kyle Rudolph and um, a, a tight end. Well, is Barkley coming back healthily this year? Right. So Saquon's going to be back, and you've got. Is, I mean, is Saquon's arguably one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, he can help, but you still have Danny Jones as the quarterback. Is he the guy? Maybe, maybe not. But let's give him all the weapons he can. Get a stud rookie wide receiver to go out there with Galladay. You got uh, Saquon open up the field a little bit, and uh, I mean Evan Ingram if he can learn how to catch. You know, it's <laughs> there's a lot of question marks there. So uh, I think maybe you save second round for the for the lineman and kind of get you know fill that position. Get the the stud wide receiver if it falls to you. If not, go grab Mika Parsons and shore up that defense because secondary is looking good, uh, but we do need those linebackers as well. Lots Brian, of needs. Wow, th- you're needy, Brian. Wow. Brian, after three years, you don't learn to catch. If you ain't caught. <laughs> if you're in third year in the NFL, you can't catch. I was just being nice. Unless they allow Stickham to come back in the league, you're, you're, you're out of luck there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he can't block, he can't catch. And I, I think he's, <laughs> Hope he he's on run. his way. But So he know. lacks five tools. <laughs> right. He, <laughs> Sounds he's like a little the short of a left. full toolbox, huh? Yeah. All right. Now it's time for my infamous Lions. Um, you know, we sent a, a wonderful wide receiver named Golden Tate your way, and see how did that turn out there, buddy? And then Galladay is just a taller version. This guy's going to get hurt. Um, when he's healthy, he can dominate, but sometimes he took plays off. And Matthew Stafford put it just in the right place so many times for that guy. That's why the Rams are so excited to get um, Stafford. The Lions have number seven pick, and they're talking all the time that they're going to pick up Jamar Chase from LSU and get a wide receiver. And I think, why? This is obviously a rebuild. Jared Goff is not a great quarterback. Get an offensive lineman. And you are saying, Brian, no, no, don't get offensive lineman on the first round. I remember when Kansas City was trying to rebuild, and they got Eric Fisher from the great college not too far away from East Central Michigan, and until this year, he was their starting left tackle, and they cut him for money reasons, plus he tore his Achilles heel. Um, but I think Lions have to rebuild, pull a Joe Thomas like Cleveland did years before. This is not the year to to go back and get a flashy wide receiver. Protect the quarterback. Play like if, Has Brady not taught any other team anything? You don't have to have the number one draft picks wide receivers. You do need to protect your quarterback if he's not mobile and golf is a mobile guy. So all that being said, uh, whoever's the highest rated offensive lineman, that's who the Lions should get. And there you go, folks. That's we're excited about the NFL draft. And so we're going on to our next topic and it may be short. This may be the shortest topic tonight. And that is golf. Did any of you guys watch the masters? What's the Masters? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we just do this? Wasn't that five months ago? We did. Deja vu all over again, man. I gotta be yes. honest. When when Dust, I, Dustin Johnson like was like what seven nine shots back the first night first 
first day, I, I gave up. Because I really wanted someone to win twice in, in five months. I thought that would have been a neat little story. But we came out with our new favorite player, Salatoris. <laughs> so you did watch it. Come on. I, I watched, know you're I a watched, golfer, Brian. I, and by I the way, does Nate cheat on the golf course? I thought I was watching Happy Gilmore. I really did. I turned over <laughs> there and saw him play, and I thought, isn't that the, the, isn't that the caddy for Happy Gilmore? Mr. Gilmore, your caddy. Yeah, I was going to say. I watched it from 8 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock at night every day. That's my that's my jam. I love the Masters. Wow, he's got problems too. Okay, <laughs> Nate, More who's so a better stuff. golfer, you or Brian? Brian's better, but not as good as your buddy who tried out for the U.S. Amateur, right? Oh, Chris Payman. Yeah, no, he's he's far and away better. He's always been better than me, but he grew up in Scottsdale, and um, it was fun being his caddy just to see like every single shot of his being like. Great. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where did you grow up? Scottsdale. <laughs> so, so how is that he is a great golfer? Because he grew up in the same place you grew up, and you are not a great golfer. Because yeah, Scottsdale's, a, Scottsdale's a hot hotbed of golfers. But, you know, we didn't have a ton of money growing up, so we, I wasn't golfing every weekend. So, Okay. All right. And, yeah, asked by a man who doesn't play golf at all, Ernest. So, anyways, I watched it quite a bit. And I was thinking, is this going to be another Greg Norman special here? You guys might not be old enough to remember when Greg Norman oh, shark fought, choked, choked, shark yeah. choked and, and the, you know, the bear came back and won an amazing master. And I thought uh, Xander Shuffley was going to really pull it out. And then he hits into the water a number 16. I never see anybody hit in the water on 16. You always hit it a little longer You don't and let it roll back down off the the bank i thought even though it didn't look like it was going to be a close masters it was very interesting toward the end um matsuyama won it new hero i felt bad for that guy if he didn't win i mean uh japanese uh, men don't usually handle public disgrace very well and i was thinking please let this guy win what was your takeaway from the masters nate i i like to see him win um uh Kind of like the same, not not the same thing as shameful, um, but I, I like that I wanted to see how he was going to react. And because, you know, like sometime I think the they don't really celebrate too much. And I think he was he's pretty joyful with it. So that, that was kind of cool to see him win. Um, I like the memes that came out later because there was one of him like I guess he's just walking in the airport with the with the green jacket draped over his arm. And he puts it down like on the chair, and he sits on his phone. So there's some funny, funny memes out there. Like he's just kind of rolling, rolling in the airport with the with the master's jacket. Um, I guess I don't know how you would normally carry it, right? Right, I mean, right. Did you just put it like in a little bag or something? Well, I think um, you have to take it off to go through security. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. But I'm just saying, like I don't know how traditionally how everybody brings it home, right? Like, do they wear it home or do they? Um, but no, I, I like to watch it. Leave it there. Don't they have to leave it there? I thought there's one always oh, at Augusta for them, yeah. and then they get to wear yeah. one, take with them, and bring oh, back okay. for the champions dinner, if I remember right. But they're not supposed to wear it during the year unless they won it that year. That's the way I remember yeah. it. Does that mean for the dinner next year, it'd be uh, uh, wasabi and, <laughs> and all that? And sushi? Sushi. Sushi for the bastard. Yeah, and whoever's right. the champion gets to decide the, the next year. Yeah, that's kind of cool. But no, it was it was great watching. I didn't watch as much as Brian did. Um, but no, I love I love watching that course. It's it's uh, it's beautiful. All that um, mulch that's on the side that's like perfectly placed. 
um, perfect edging. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful course. So before we get to Ernest, Brian, do you think the fans not being there made a big difference? Or they were there, but not like the crowds and the roars? Um, I don't know. I think in golf, it doesn't really make much of a difference. These guys are so locked into what they're doing uh, that, you know, when you have the big crowds, you know, I think they it, it can fire them up and, and get them going a bit. Uh, but when they're swinging and, you know, trying to line up their shot and, you know, trying to decide what, what club to hit, they're, they're really focused on what's going on. Uh, I don't I don't think uh, having no fans, some fans or a lot of fans really, is really going to change the outcome of what these players are doing. Uh, they still got to get up there and hit their shot. Um, I mean, look, you know, Ernest, you mentioned before, DJ, he played terrible. He he, he just uh, he wasn't playing well. And uh, he's a he's the best number one golfer in the world, and fans no fans. I don't think it really made a difference. Um, but just to touch on on winning, I thought one of the cool spot the cool things was uh, Matsuyama's caddy at the end. He puts the flag back in and he bows. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, that after after they won, and he just kind of like out of respect to the course, and I just thought that was a pretty cool moment for uh for the sport you don't you don't get to see Dumbo arigato there you go <laughs> Ernest. i'll let you pick the next topic and i'll give it a little lead in Ernest, do you know who's going to be kobe's presenter at the hall of fame mj yeah i mean that's that's a natural i mean uh, as much as he looked up to him that that was a natural i mean that was a uh and this will be the first uh ceremony in two years because of covid there was no so you got two classes going in, and uh, I think he'll he'll do a good job. Hopefully, he won't do like the last time and stand up there and make everybody angry make when he went in. <laughs> yeah, make Crying a meme Jordan. and go there. Yeah, he's not going to do that this time, but I think he'll handle it very well. Uh, I think there was uh, at the end uh, after he retired. I think they became very very close. There couldn't have been when he when Kobe was on the court. You know, they couldn't have become that close. But I think, but I think Kobe had to go through what Michael did his last few years, and I think that's that's he appreciated him a lot more. So, Ernest, you can pick what topic as we have about eight more minutes. So, what topic do you want to okay. go to? I'm going to tell you something which I'm of two minds to. The NCAA came out this week and said there is no more one year setting out transfer rule. Players in football and in basketball can now immediately play after they transfer. Now, I'm going to tell you why I'm of two minds to it, and then Brian and, and y'all can get a, your swing at this. A, you know, I am a full support of the players. And if, if the coaches can leave anytime they went, why can't players leave anytime they want? Usually because they get recruited by a coach, coach leaves, where does that leave them? New coach comes in, may not appreciate their style, may not play them. But at the same time, in a sport, two sports, the NCAA does very little investigation. The current situation, the FBI investigation, which they found assistant coaches guilty of offering money at LSU, Kansas, Arizona, and a few other schools, South Carolina, and Auburn. Uh, again, the investigation branch of the NCAA is five guys. So this is going to open for corruption. We had a situation here where a freshman at Carolina, two days after the season ended, decided he wanted to transfer to Auburn. You and I both know Auburn was talking to him and his family before the end of the season. They're going to be 
coaches that are going to actively recruit players on other teams. The Baylor team that we saw with so many juniors and seniors may be the last we see like that. Because if kids are freshmen and sophomores who don't get the playing time or whose parents feel like they don't get the playing time, the fact that you don't have that penalty of sitting out a year, they're going to leave. You're going to see players play at three different schools. I appreciate the freedom. I'm all for that. But I'm just wondering if we're not creating a sport in football and in basketball, which is going to be an open market for players to switch teams every year. Uh, Nate, your feelings about this? Well, I like what you said about the coaches. If the if the coaches leave, I think every player on that team should have the, the option to transfer without having to sit out. I think that's fair because – more often than not, that's the coach that recruited them. That's playing style. They are they're you know working in whatever the system may be. I think that um, the only problem with that, I guess, would be that the coach that's leaving could also start recruiting the players to take them, take with them, right? But I think that should be an option because I feel like you know you, you got recruited by a coach um, because he sees something in you, so you should be able to go with him. But uh, I, I like that part of it. But again, like you're saying, you don't want all these guys that are going to be actively recruited. Um, and with there's only five guys investigating, like that, there's no way you're going to find that. So I, I, I guess I'm I'm on the fence with it because at first I feel like that's good for the players because I feel like there are a lot of players out there that need to change. They may have been a starter and got injured. Some new kid came in, stole basically stole their starting spot but they're still very talented and have the right to start somewhere should start somewhere but they can't on the depth chart so they do need to transfer out um even if they do have to sit out a year but they they should have the, the opportunity to do that then you also have what i'm talking about with the coaches so i i, I guess i guess i'd be probably more for it even though i'm on the fence just because i feel like it would benefit a lot of players that genuinely just need need to get more playing time um, corruption aside, but obviously I think we know the corruption is going to be there. Brian, I don't know, Brian, what do you think? Oh, you guys don't want me to talk about this. Whatever <laughs> happened to, uh, going to college for an education? <laughs> I mean, these guys, it's all, I'm just going to a school to play a sport and it's well. basically minor leagues for football and, and basketball, whatever you want to call it. These guys aren't there for an education. They get a scholarship. They don't go to class. They don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. They're just there to play basketball and make the college money. And if they're there on scholarship and take off after a year because they're not playing and they transfer, that school is now out that money to have that player go. And now that another school is just going to pay them to go play because this player thinks he's going to play really well and go to the NBA. Meanwhile, you guys can tell me what the percentage of college basketball players that actually go to the NBA it's pretty minuscule and I just think it's I think it's terrible I, I think you know the, these kids that are going to college should uh, go to school and if they're athletic enough to play they should play and if the, that team is is that good with those players that's the team that's going to win I don't think these guys should be going around all over the place I, I think it's just at this point why even have it just have a, another you know, junior league that the NBA can draw talent from, and that's it. Don't even bother. Don't even bother with NCAA sports. Or, or at least because what's going to come up next is these guys are going to get paid. And at that point, the, what, what's the point? What's the point in going to a school when the school is just going to make money off it? I just, it's, become, it's become pointless. 
Well, that's what's happened. I mean, they go to places. Coaches promise them that, particularly now, because you got a lot of coaches who played in the NBA. Hey, you know, come to me. I'll get you ready. I'll get you drafted. I mean, that's they don't look at the general. They usually the majority of them go with graduate study degrees, which you know that's not a career degree. That's not going to help you find an occupation. And you know, it's less than two percent play in the NBA. I think. 3% 3% play in over in Europe and over leagues. That's basketball. Football is about the same percentages. I mean, you you get less than 80 guy, 80 rookies in the NFL every year, and you get less than 25 rookies in the NBA every year. Ernest, when point. did it stop being about sports and became money? I mean, Brian makes a good point. My thinking is it's been this way for a long time, and now we're finally seeing it full bore what it is. I think it goes back. I think the last time I think it really felt like college sports was college sports in a healthy way was probably 1979 for me. I mean, it's it's that far back. As soon as young kids started going straight to the NBA, I think things switched in a hurry. Or when a young player didn't have to finish out college, four years of college, and start going to the NFL, things changed. When do you think this really started where it's really all about money and we're just playing games otherwise? I can tell you specifically the date. In college basketball, it was 1970, the Spencer Haywood rule, in which undergraduates could go to the pros. For college football, it was the deregulation of television in 1981, when you went from one game on Sundays on ABC to every team. And when you had TBS and CBS and NBC and all these networks paying extraordinary amounts to the schools for broadcast rights, that's when administrations made the decision that we're going to professionalize this sport because there are revenues we can pull down. That's when it went from going to four years and playing for the pride of your school and becoming part of a huge business. It became a business for college basketball in 1970, for college football in 1981. That's where the business and we've all, I mean, listen, we love watching games. I love watching games. I love the idea that there's, I think the average is 120 college football games on every Saturday during the regular wow, season. that's awesome. Well, you look at streaming, everybody's on. Division FCS, FBS, Division Two, Division Three games are all being streamed or on network, and they're being paid for. Commercials. I remember that Dean Smith got upset in 74 when the ACC started using beer commercials for their games of the week. And he said, what message are we telling kids? Underage kids, and we're selling beer. Now, that sounds a little Puritan-like at that time, but it became a business. And I don't blame the players, and I don't blame the coaches. I blame the administration, because they hire it. They generate the programs. They build these enormous stadiums. They build these luxury boxes. They're the ones who are making money off this deal. And players say, if they're going to get a piece of the pie, I am too. I'm out of here the first chance I can make a dollar. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we're going to wrap up this podcast on a little upper note because there's nothing we can do about that. And if we start talking about NCAA leadership, we'd even get more frustrated. So I want to go around the horn – I mean, around the group here and ask you guys <laughs> – Nice catch, nice catch. Um, what you're looking forward to the most as we get nicer weather? Uh, what are you looking forward to the most, Ernest? Pool. Yeah, I should have known I've that. I've got it cleaned. I got it ready. 
just gets about 10 more degrees warmer. I'll be in the pool. I'll have my ball game on the radio, on my phone, streaming. I'll be listening to my Braves. Hopefully they get some pitching, and I'll be chilling for the summer. And and probably some FCS football I'm, I'm streaming also. Nice. And then you'll get that great tan like usual. Yes. Uh-huh. The George Hamilton special. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know who George Hamilton. That's our uh, old guy reference for tonight. Really tan guy, yeah. Yeah. Well, there used to be uh, there's used to be a comic strip back in these things where they had newspapers <laughs> called Doonesbury. And one of the things Doonesbury every year, Zonker, who's one of the characters, would compete in the George Hamilton Open, which they'd play one round of golf and the next day it would be your tan. Who had the best tan would win the George Hamilton Open. Y'all remember newspapers, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we still do. Yeah, we start fires with them sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Black and white and red all over. Yeah, yes, that's it. Yes. Always an answer to a joke. All right, or quiz. Nate, what are you looking for? Uh, well, Brian might say the same thing, but we got a golf league coming up. Um, we kind of started, I'd say we, mainly Brian, but I get to be on the board, so that's kind of cool. But um, So that'll be fun. We're going to play that every Monday, like a happy hour in the round, and um, 16 of us some good buddies. So it's, it's going to be a fun thing, but that's going to be a weekly thing. Uh, is Rob Finn part of that? He is. He is. He's in the same group. The other Trumbull um, dad. The other Trumbull dad. I got some adult kickball coming up. Uh, I might play, you know, some little softball too. So, um, you know, playing some sports, I think that'll be exciting. It sounds like everything's a full go, um, with everybody getting vaccinated and everything like that. So I think get, getting out and playing some sports will be, uh, be exciting. So I'm looking forward to Brian, yeah, I, I'm going to agree with with Nate there. I'm excited for our golf league. Uh, you know, summertime, any any excuse to get out and play some golf, I'm always I'm always in for that. Um, but also, just warm weather, just something <laughs> that where where I can be outside. Uh, you know, it's been a it's been a long year. I don't know if you guys have, have heard what's been going on this past year, but uh, you know, the, the winter and it's cold, and here in Connecticut, it's it's just starting to warm up a bit. Um, I'm excited to, to be able to hang out outside, you know, through the winter, you know, the Trumbull dads and we've been hanging out by fire pits and freezing our, you know, what's off, uh, bundling up and huddling around and hanging out as much as we can. But now that the weather's going to be nice, it'll be, it'll be good to just kind of get out there and find a nice Adirondack chair out on a deck or somewhere and crack a cold one, and just hang out. And uh, talk about the the awful golf games that we have on Monday evenings. Now, Brian and Nate, you still have kids, right? Both of you guys, right? right. So I still go take do. care of the kids yeah. while you do this. I, I, I still have what? Well, take care of what kids? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we we got the kids. They'll, they'll be there too. But Paul, Paul, next you're going to tell them to take their wives golfing too. Right? <laughs> no, 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 I would not be that crazy. crazy there, Ernest, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but the the since we get the Monday for golfing, the the wives get like a a wine night. Uh, I think it's like Thursdays or something like that in the same week. So mm-hmm. you want some W-H-I-N-E or W-I-N-E? Yeah. Oh, However you want to spell it. Yeah. They can drink their wine and whine about their husbands at the same time. I'm looking forward to fishing and hiking. I love sports, but I also really enjoy Michigan during the summer. You can go swimming and you can go fishing and uh, hiking. And after just being around people so intensely over the last year and a half, uh, it's just nice to get away and take a deep breath and just chill out. So 
All right. Well, that's part of the confusion for tonight. We thank Brian for being our special guest co-host. And Ernest always does a great job. And Nate always comes through as well. So if you want to find out more about us or recommend uh, topics, email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com. That's gobluearnold at gmail.com. Or listen to us on sportscountry.net. Uh, Gene Gums is the operator of that. Tune him in, and he's got a lot of great shows in the morning. One of the shows he plays is Trumbull Dads that Nate and Brian are on, along with their friend, uh, what's his name, Rob? Yeah, Rob Finn. So enjoy listening to those guys as well. So have a great night.